What's up, everybody? It is Friday, September 10th. You are listening to the Pat McAfee Show 2.0. Pat had to head out early. He's on a bird on his way to New York for Friday Night Smackdown, live from Madison Square Garden, a day before the 20th anniversary of September 11th. So that should be must-watch TV tonight at 8 o'clock on Fox. And then after that, we got a great college football weekend, great NFL weekend. Today's show is awesome. Bradley Pinion and Ryan Suckup join the program. Talk about their games last night. Buccaneers big win over the Cowboys. Coach Jason Brown of Last Chance U fame joins the show as well to talk about the college football slate this weekend. And head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, Brandon Staley, joins the show to chat about this upcoming season. All of that with A.J. Hawk. It's a good one. Let's get into it. I got to hop on a plane and fly to New Jersey mm. and then drive to New York City, which I've been told on a Friday could be a little bit problematic yeah. <laughs> uh, for tonight's epic smackdown that I think we are all about to enjoy the hell out of. Obviously, uh, tomorrow is September 11th. Uh, WWE was the first public assembly post 9-11, uh, and it's something that that company, WWE, takes a lot of pride in. I believe there was families that were affected in the 9-11 um, I mean, guess catastrophes that mm-hmm. happened. Uh, that's the right word to describe oh, yeah. it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Tragedy, catastrophe, what I mean. But yeah. I don't want to undersell it. Like, I don't know if catastrophe, I just want to make oh, yeah. sure that I, okay, so the catastrophes of 9-11, there's some people in the business, I believe, that are affected. So tonight should be rather epic as we give a massive thank you to everybody and a rest in peace to those beautiful folks that lost their lives senselessly uh, about 20 years ago tomorrow. So I can't wait for that, but let's chat the life out of. The fact that NFL football is all the way back. Yeah! Okay, the Toxic Table at Boston Connor at Ty Schmidt are sitting here beautifully. You got a nice little nameplate on your table now. Shout out to Freetwood Matt. There it Bingo. is. Okay, you obviously remembered his name. Okay, uh-huh. that's very nice of you. At Tone Diggs is here as well. Doing, Host of Hammer Down. All the boys are in the back. Hammer Down will still go live today for more bets for this weekend and everything like that. But we have to address the elephant mm-hmm. in the room. That's right. Elephant, obviously, is the sophisticated way to say that big-ass animal that is, if it's standing there, you got to address it. Yep. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. The hell are you doing here? Yeah, well, you, why is that Why is that right there? <laughs> and in this particular case, it's these motherfuckers right here. That's mm-hmm. right. Okay? You see that? Fandle. Bitches. We were banging a drum loud early this week. Monday it started. Seven and a half was the spread. Seven and a half. That ain't nowhere near enough. Dak Prescott hasn't played football in forever. Mike McCarthy and that defense for the Dallas Cowboys, they couldn't play football last year. How in the hell are they going to go into banner night in Tampa with the Buccaneers fans being a buzzsaw because they're getting a chance to experience Tom Brady for the first time and this team for the Gronk and Antonio Brown and Leonard Fournette and, Num- and Dominican Sue and uh, the bunch how were they going to go into Tampa Bay on this night of celebration on Tom's, hey, how you doing, everybody? Nice to fucking meet you. We saw each other on bed parades. I don't really forget. If you do recall, I did have to get dragged out via my tequila consumption. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. But those Dallas Cowboys looked unbelievable last night. I hate to break it to me and many others that maybe put a parlay together on who's going to win the divisions. <laughs> I had the Washington football team hammering the NFC East because I thought Ryan Fitzmagic going to that team that was already built and almost beat the Buccaneers in playoffs last year. Seems like Washington football team, great leadership. Now they're really going. Going to have a new 
team name here soon. They've recycled the same eight, nas- eight names as breaking news twice now at this yep. point. But I thought that was obviously with Chase Young coming into another year and that young team. I thought that was obviously the team that was going to win. That I was wrong. What Dak Prescott was able to accomplish last night and the way he played last night. He, I mean, he went for fifty-eight different passing attempts. Fifty? No, yeah, yeah 58. fifty-eight passing attempts. Mike McCarthy got pass happy. We thought there's maybe something with his arm. That ain't shit. Mm-hmm. He threw the ball all over the yard. Obviously, their weapons were incredible. And Mari Cooper said, "Hey, I'm the best. I think I'm the best wide receiver in football. I just got to prove it." He fucking entered the conversation last night. CeeDee Lamb had a couple early drops, and he got hot. Michael Gallup came in. He played well before he got hurt. I mean, Zeke wasn't really... You know, I guess Zeke didn't have as big of a night as everybody thought because he was in his best shape. But that Dallas Cowboys defense, that, that, nah, well, I mean, yeah, a couple big turnovers there. Plus three in the turnover margin, so defense had to be doing something right in there. Big punch out early, then the pick, and then obviously whatever. It's just one of those things where I don't think any of us could have expected the Dallas Cowboys. So we were telling everybody, hey, listen, Rob Gronkowski's going to score two touchdowns. Yeah. Antonio Brown's going to have over 100 yards. Go off. Tom Brady's going to be unfucking believable Vita Vea's going to be picking people up off the ground and dumping them in front of Dak Prescott. Dak's going to be uncomfortable. We're saying all these things. We're saying the crowd is going to be electric. There's no way this isn't a double-digit game. So much so that at the beginning of the week, I actually asked for an alternate spread to boost, which was the minus 9.5, which is what the ended-up boost being because we watched on NBC last night on the kickoff show. Uh... Drew Brees, hey, pretty good, Drew. Yeah, he, he was pretty good. That hair, however. Okay, all right, listen. And we all talked about Wayne Rooney's hair for about a month. Sure. And then we just moved along and it just became the new norm because you're not going to talk about it. His hair looked fantastic. It His hair did. It, it looked great. It, it looked it great. Look good. It looked unbelievable. Uh, okay. What's your deal? What is your deal? What is your deal? Hey, with Drew, hey. this is about Drew Brees' hair. Like, what are you? No, even... I'm just saying. I don't. I don't know if we can say it looked fantastic. Someone's it did like look fantastic. Seen his hair. Oh, it okay. fantastic. No. Seen his hair. We agree. You've only seen Drew with, the, with helmet hair before. But, I went to the internet to find a bad picture of Drew and compare. Wasn't possible. Good hair. Drew Brees. Anyways, great day, Drew. Congratulations last night. Same with Maria Taylor. Okay, yes. Maria Taylor crushed it. Uh, Maria Taylor knows her shit though, so I hope they. Um, you know, I hope that potentially becomes something. You know, Maria, I think there was a lot of like, hey, you're smarter than me. The Sims, who I understand Sims is a full foot. Maria Taylor knows her shit, though. So I just hope that becomes a thing. You know, I actually loved, you know, everything about it, except for the song choices of Ed Sheeran. Ugh. Okay. We knew this was going to potentially happen. All right. We knew that he was yeah. going to play all his new music, try to introduce. And there was a couple times I did catch myself swinging, not knowing the words. You know, I wanted to kind of sing right. along with him with all his old shit. So it was, a, it was just a beautiful night, except for the fact that FanDuel Sportsbook probably made fucking 300, 400 million dollars. Yeah. Bullshit. And that's our fault. Okay. That's 100% our fault. For the people that hopefully you only used their free bet this weekend on Tampa last night, I did not. Okay, I used uh, I used real bets last night. I lost yeah. a fair amount of cash last night <laughs> because oh, all yeah. the words that were coming through this microphone right here that were potentially you know uh, persuading others to feel the same way. Think about how much I had to be persuaded if I was doing that. That's how good I felt about what was going to happen for the Bucs. The Dallas Cowboys were absolutely surprising. Bucks still get a win, even with a minus three turnover margin, which is, I guess, you have like an 8% chance of winning since the merger if you're minus three. I think the Bucs are going to be just fucking fine. I think everything we had said about them, they are going to be. I think we must take back anything negative we said about how long it might take the Dallas Cowboys to get going on offense. They seem to be ready to go. Zach Martin's going to get on that offense. 
offensive line. I just thought it was a beautiful night to kick off the game, aside from the fact that fucking Fandle got all of our money. Go ahead, Dix. Um, here's what I'll say, and I'll put this on my, my tombstone. You can put it on your tombstone, too. Okay. We were on the right side. Oh, we, yeah, you will we, put that on yours. Yeah. I'm not going to put that on <laughs> We yours. had no idea... That that may be one of the worst banner night celebrations of all time. Oh my! God. Why were they in the tunnel? Terrible. Put all twenty two starters in that back. song. Okay, song. I was I was kind of dancing to the song. <laughs> banner. This song. all twenty two, and it wasn't a banner. All <laughs> yeah. the banners signed. The guy said, "Great reading by the guy." By the way, especially once I saw what he looked like, I'm like, "Okay, a little bit older gentleman here. Mm-hmm. Is he still going to have the juice? He had the juice, but why did they have all twenty two starters? Okay, so you're literally celebrating." This group right here, why are they standing in the tunnel? And maybe like uh, B.A. and Tom and everybody's like, hey, we should go out and watch this. Maybe it was supposed to happen before. I don't know what normal things are like. But my wife immediately said, like, shouldn't they be on the field for this thing? And then if they're just going to be standing, like if they were warming up because the thing was going to take too long and they were worried their bodies were going to slow down. Okay, but if they're just going to be standing in a tunnel, couldn't they just stand on the field then? And then it's not as awkward and you have the whole thing. I don't know. I you're right, but I assume you watch film on previous banner you celebrations, right? Yeah. Tom's and then had you do. A few. Tom's had a few. Yeah, you could just go ask fucking Tom. Like, hey, it seemed like he was a zombie though. He didn't even know yeah. what was going on. Uh, locked in. He doesn't hey, care. Hey, that shot, by the way, of him fourth quarter, one minute, whatever left. Mm-hmm. Uh, that look of his staring absolute hate through the, everybody on the field at that moment, and then turning back around, it was like twenty-two years into his career. His 300th regular season start. How the fuck do you still have that much competitive intensity? Wow. I have no idea. You heard Saban talk about it the other day, and he put like actual words. Uh, I think he said um, maintaining our intensity for four quarters or something like mm-hmm. that. And that is something mentally that is very difficult for people to do. Okay, I have lost my competitive edge in some things. What I used to be like versus what I am at now. I think just as you grow older, some people potentially you know kind of Piss grow out a bit. Sure. Like. For instance, my competitive thing right now, if I'm trying to do something and win and I don't, okay, I'm going to be pissed. Back in the day, if I lost, I'm pissed. Like, what are we even doing here? You know, and there was no even thinking like, maybe I'm trying, maybe I'm not trying. Like, hey, I am going for the fucking throat right here. Like, this is not, I'm going to be nice. Okay, hey, oh, you're doing great. But I am trying to win. I'm trying to whitewash everybody. Yeah. Like, that is what I'm trying to do in every single thing that I did. Like, that was how I was. I think it helped me, obviously, get to where I was. I think it helped me get... But at some point, I got to the point where I was like, okay, man, not everything is like that big of a fucking deal. <laughs> and it's like, you kind of, like, grow out of it, I think. And that's why you hear some ex-players say, like, to be honest, I stopped caring. Like, okay, like... It's hard for me to work myself up still. It's hard for me to still find a way to be like, yeah, man, I still got 400 things to prove. Somehow Tom Brady, 300, now granted, that's a massive night. It's opening night. But year 22 in the fourth quarter, Aaron has this same exact thing. They somehow are able to maintain that competitive juice, that intensity, that I fucking hate this group of people. I'm going to go do this. The yelling, the shit talking. Like, I love to watch it. I just have no idea how he had that st- has that stamina. And it seems like it's not going anywhere uh-huh. forever. There's a lot of those guys up there. Like, everybody talks to Tiger. Peyton was the same exact yeah, way, right? Yep. Peyton was the exact same way. Vinatieri was very much this way. I think that is something that we need to start talking about a little bit more. I think Saban put a little emphasis on it, emphasis on it there whenever he was talking about maintaining intensity for four. But that is a trait 
that is not, I don't think a lot of people have. A lot of people don't give a fuck about anything, let alone like years that you get rich, you get successful, you get this, and you still have that juice that's like, ah, I can't let somebody else beat me. I'm, and everybody, BA said it, BA said, our team's winners. Yeah. Like, we're gonna win. Everybody on earth knew what was gonna happen. Okay, minute, whatever. Everybody on earth yeah. knew exactly what was gonna happen, especially after that shot. I just wish, you know, there was a couple other touchdown opportunities oh, earlier. Yeah. Yeah, that's a right. fumble, a turnover, yeah. and another one, and it's like, hey, Bradley Pinion, who's gonna be joining us in about 25 minutes, uh, and Ryan Suckup are having the game of their fucking lives. Boys, can we just not fuck this up and just keep this thing moving here? Tom Brady's like, hey, I am literally dropping dimes right now. Yeah. He's moving in the pocket, by the way, mm. you know, because he doesn't have that sleeve on and hindering his hamstring. Uh -huh. But there's a couple plays out there that we're watching. Bucks could have won that thing 16, 20 points if they wanted to. Now, on the flip side, Cowboys, I guess, had some misses. The kick, mm -hmm. Greg Leg. Hey, what a fucking unfortunate timing there. Yeah. Okay, you, you hope that you get a 60-yard opportunity in your career. Doesn't happen often. All right. Cowboys seem to be very aggressive with uh, Bones and Fossil and Mike McCarthy, and they'll do that. But with 20 some seconds left, Tom Brady on the other side, I guess Mike McCarthy will be able to tell his team, like, hey, we're fucking, there's no bullets left in the chamber here. Like, we're, yeah. we're going to empty it. So if you punt that, a lot of people will say, well, that's what you should have done or whatever. But him getting a, a 60 yard opportunity on that night with that many people watching. After the offseason, where I guess he didn't kick at all. Had back surgery, yeah. And these kicks are all happening within like a four-minute period because there was a turnover, turnover. So it's worst miss that I've seen in a long time in the NFL by a very good kicker. Then, oh, wait, by the way, you're back on a minute later. Extra point off the upright. And then not turnover. Oh, you're back out there. Oh, and that thing went through. And then a couple minutes later, now you got a 60-yarder. It's like, Greg... After that first miss, like, ah, oh, fuck, we got a lot to figure out. Let me go over to the net. And then before he even got there, like, ah, oh, extra point. Okay, what the fuck happened? All right, <laughs> yeah. missed that. We got some stuff to figure out. It's just like, I felt bad for him, but also, it's the NFL. You got to make those kicks, Greg. And Greg knows that. Mm -hmm. I think Cowboys know that. And I think Cowboys fans would say, well, with that happening and some other things happening, they might have got some more points. I think it was pretty apparent, though, that this Bucks team, whenever they tighten it the fuck up, mm -hmm. yeah. They are going to be a buzzsaw. Could have been a buzzsaw last night, possibly. Yeah, and I mean, the Cowboys, too. The Cowboys are damn good at football, and their defense looked much better. And, you know, with Zeke and everything, I don't think many people are going to have success running against that Bucks front seven because, like you said earlier, Vita Vea was an absolute animal Late, last too, night. by the way. Right? Yeah. So that was late. Fourth quarter, Vita Vea, like back-to-back -back plays. One got a holding, obviously, backed him up to third and 16. Then the next one, he picked the guy up and he held him again, by yeah. the way. Probably mm -hmm. could have called yes. that again. But that's fourth quarter, and I think... Like fourth quarter, you know, wear them down is kind of like a thing. And you're hoping that because defensive linemen, the way they are built is different than offensive linemen because you have to have different skills and you have to be more explosive. You have to be able to do these other things. So cardio can get, mm -hmm. like it can get a little bit late. You know, late yeah. in the game, you're hoping to wear those, game, those things down. That's everybody's goal is late in the game, you're up. We can run all over the D-line because that is what we have just been pounding all... Vita Vea, fourth quarter, first game of the year, he was only heating yeah, up. Yeah, he got better. Yeah, that, and I don't know if it's, you know, getting back into the swing of things or groove of things or whatever the case, or maybe he was just just biding his time to kind of do his thing, which some D-linemen do, by the way. Some mm -hmm. D-linemen, hey, we talked to Dwight Freeney, we talked to Robert Mathis, talked to anybody else. It's a game of chess in there, so you're waiting and biding your time to do so. Massive play by Vita to pick up that holding call in that big situation late in the game. But you're right, that defense, corners need to – yeah, oh, buddy, lost. he break his uh, yeah. he dislocated his, his elbow. Three yeah. or four weeks. Uh -huh. That's what Shannon Sharp said. 
No, no, it That's came out today. It's mm-hmm. three to four weeks. Shannon Sharp we'll, tweeted that he said, yeah. I had the same injury, I think, 2011, I think he said. Or, mm-hmm. uh, 2000, I forget One what year he said. Something. 2001, I think there was 2001. He said, I was back in four weeks. Yeah. And then that was the tweet. And I was like, I read it. And I was like, so is this Shannon Sharp saying, like, I'm a fucking beast here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or is this like the actual expectation? I guess that now modern science, that's the expectation. I would assume Shannon Sharp came back a lot sooner than anybody expected him to, especially with how that looked. Yeah. Dude, you saw his bone come out of his yeah. elbow a little bit. It was it was bad. But I, like watching that game, like you said, like we knew that was gonna we knew that was gonna happen at the end there. You like when they had to when the Cowboys had to settle for a field goal and they, they didn't go for it and they couldn't score on that and their last possession, you knew the Bucks were gonna go down and, and win. I don't think Cowboys fans should be mad though. I mean I don't know what they're their ex- not. They can't be they can't celebrate because they lost. Right. Sure. But I did see a lot of people tweet me, Oh Dallas cover boys, nine uh, and a half. I think there was a lot of people that made some money off of them last night. But I mean Dak looked unbelievable like and he's always he's been good since he got into the league but i i mean you just you didn't know what you were going to get with him and he i mean i don't know if you could say he outplayed brady but like statistically you look at the you look at the box score and there's just no way that it seems like dallas should have lost and it seems like that's kind of like a microcosm of Dak's career like he balls out he plays incredible he has unbelievable stats and then somehow the cowboys still lose matthew stafford in detroit yeah yeah Exactly. Oh, Foxy couldn't wait to get his phone. No, my mic was muted. Sorry. Hey, the Detroit Lions, that team this year, fuck, might. Look out. Watch out. Hey, watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Super Bowl contender, but week one, you're in Detroit. That place is going to be rocking against with MCDC running out there. Yeah. Andre Swift. Yep. Uh Running the rock. Yeah. Hey. Running people Jared Goff. JG. Yeah, yeah, I think JG and Swift are a little bit different humans. Yeah, a little bit. Just from what I've heard, Mm -hmm. just from what I've read. But Uh I would like to let everybody know that if somebody's life is endangered, and they and I'm told that hey, they did exactly what they they should have done, could have done, and you would hope to do in a similar situation if you had the same things around you or whatever. But if that story about Andre Swift is real, I have Man. no idea how we haven't heard about it. DC came out like 10 minutes ago and said, uh, that's just internet rumors. I don't feel I need to comment on that right now. D. Andre Swift? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's on me. I fucked it up all day yesterday, too, because Andre Swift was trending. Because of the uh, Police apostrophe report. after yeah. the D, so it separates the... <laughs> <laughs> Philly is how I was introduced to that guy. He was a lightning rod down in Georgia. Unreal. Yeah. Every time he got the ball at Georgia, the entire fan base was like, oh, here we go. They like all were excited. I mean, they were barking, obviously, but he was a guy, like a guy, a guy. Yeah. And then yesterday on the internet, it's like... <laughs> Yeah, he was. He yeah. is. He, he still is. is. Mm-hmm. That is crazy, though, to your point. With, like, Jared Goff's up there saying, like, listen, I don't want to swear in my press conference. And they're starting running backs. Like, well, if you try to rob me, I will kill you. That's a crazy dynamic in the locker room. And that's why I've been saying for a long time, and I know others have said this, obviously, since, and it's become entire campaigns and everything like that for people, but the and other people have also said it, forever whatever you get it um the nfl locker room is the perfect depiction of what like the united states of america could look like Mm -hmm. because you have people and we have no idea if any of this is true right we have no idea we have no rumors we have no clue if any of this is true but this has happened before in an nfl locker room so like the nfl locker room is just the perfect melting pot of all different everything 
everything you could think of completely opposite polar opposites all coming in to one area fighting for one goal one cause fucking with each other disagreements with each other moving along because ultimately there's a much bigger goal here rather than us hating each other forever because of this one conversation we can just say yeah well, i don't fucking believe you because this is how i grew up boom 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 and the other person says yeah well i don't fucking believe that's right because this is how i boom 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 okay cool good to see, i'll see you in the meeting yeah all right <laughs> like that is how life should be like i think that is how the world should be like hey we are at least 50 different countries here Okay, at least with the different parts of the world. I grew up in Pittsburgh. My life, not very similar to somebody that grew up in Miami right. or somebody that grew up in Compton or somebody that grew up in the fucking hills of West Virginia, by the yeah, way. Yeah. There, I am in a much different way. But in a locker room, everybody comes together with all of their differences, all their disagreements, everything they've been told potentially about why the person you're lining up next to is a bad person or you should believe this. And instead you just kind of put, yeah, that ain't what it's about here. Let's go. And by the way, let's go shower together. We'll get in the hot tub together. We'll get in a sauna together. We'll go eat together. We'll party together. We'll work together. Everything like that. That is what I think our country should be like. The locker rooms like that. And yesterday on the internet, the first thing I thought of after reading that is, uh, Jared Goff's got a golf course in his backyard yes. in Los Angeles, <laughs> yeah. and he's handing the ball off to DeAndre. And by the way, if DeAndre needed Jared Goff to go do something, Jared Goff will go do it for him immediately. And DeAndre, probably at this point, from what we heard with TJ Hawkinson, will go do the same damn thing for fucking Jared Goff. And that is why what you say there, where Jared Goff going, we don't like the curse, but... We don't care. Yeah. It's like, well, you didn't curse there, and I yeah. understand that. But what if Goff would have just dropped it? We don't give a fuck. I think I would have awesome. bought a Goff jersey. Yeah, I would have yeah. bet on the Lions this weekend. Detroit that, would have loved him so much. In that, I like the fact that Twitter allowed a troll tweet to get up in the top during the trends of uh, Andre Swift, DeAndre right. Swift. Uh, the troll tweet basically read that uh, it was a quote from MCDC, basically stating, I'll tell you what, man, like, we like that people think that our team could potentially have killers on it. <laughs> because that really is something that MCDC could potentially say. Now, I'm not giving the Twitter comedian enough credit because I forget his name. I do apologize. But I would like to let that guy know that he sent me and I think everybody else on a full did because MCDC could have yeah. said yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one on a full thing. Find his clip. So incredible Twitter by that guy. I apologize for not doing that, but what a moment to be a Detroit Lions fan yesterday on the internet. Well, yeah, that's pretty crazy because if we didn't have him, it'd be Jared Goff throwing it to Hawkinson the whole time, and I don't think there'd be any more yards on that offense because our wide receivers. This guy gets not even burying the team. Hasn't hey, played a I'm game yet. Saying, and everyone can Jeez. agree with it. What do you want me to say that this these guy. guys – that haven't played very much at wideout in the NFL are really good. No, that'd be obnoxious. Kind of like saying the Lions are going to go ten and seven and win a playoff game this year. How are they? What are they going to do this year? They're going to go ten and seven and win a playoff. So game you have this no year. problem being obnoxious for some things, but you'll bury your team for another. Yeah, you, you got to find a balance. You got to find a balance. It's <laughs> okay. kind of like Shefty Sweet about T.J. Watt yesterday. The hell are you talking about? I mean, that was unbelievable. Absolute All bullshit. right, let's dive into it. T.J. Watt gets a deal done with the Pittsburgh Steelers. There is allegedly a potential hold-in happening between TJ and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Tomlin said, I ain't dealing with the numbers. I just managed a player in the situation, however he can be. He would show up, do individual drills, or not do a team drill. I assume that was because he didn't want to get injured just days or weeks or months before a potential massive, massive contract. Or was he potentially saying, like, hey, this team could look much different right now. 
without me, we should probably get this deal done. We don't know what the motive was, why the holding was happening. He was obviously utilizing a little bit of leverage to try to get his deal done, let them know he's not happy. It inevitably does happen. We're getting close to a deadline that people said it happened for a long time. Then that got uh, kind of uh, debunked because I guess the, the, the deadline was actually that if negotiations hadn't started before the season started, they wouldn't finish them during the season. So everybody's worried, oh, TJ Watt is going to be upset with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're not going to take care of their own. What more does this guy have to do for the Pittsburgh Steelers to have to pay somebody finally in this ever-evolving world, especially with your division getting much better around you? I mean, is this ever going to take place? A lot of people are burying the Steelers. I think in the end, what we learned via Adam Schefter's 100% true mm, tweet, yeah, wow. Schefter's wow. a journalist, that T.J. Watt wanted to get this goddamn deal done, <laughs> and Schefter reported that T.J. Watt overruled his agents and believed they could get more money today, uh, who, who believed they could get more money today. He marched in the office of Steelers President Art Rooney and told him, hey, you got a deal, pal. Then the NFL's new highest paid defensive player excused himself and said, I, I got to go work out. Now, this is very reminiscent to a story that we were told about A.J. Hawk signing his rookie contract. That's right. Got fifth overall. That was back when there was a lot to negotiate because there was no rules on what everybody made. The amount of money was ridiculous, especially for the top ten. Matthew Stafford got paid the day he got drafted to Detroit Lions enough money that he could have bought Detroit at the time. That's the right. entire city of Detroit hadn't even played one down. Now, it worked out, but a lot of others did not. I yeah. mean, so that whole thing happened. So T.J. Watt looks at his agents and says, how much money's enough money and the agents go well we think we can get you another blah 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 and allegedly tj said oh fuck off and just walked in there and said this is the deal this is enough money that is what every yinzer wanted to hear in one clean sentence this guy told his agents right yinzers probably do not like agents if yinzers are much like me which i think yinzers most are they don't like me we we don't like these people representing like i don't think there's a lot of agent love in the city of uh -huh. pittsburgh just as a whole okay i'm not 100 sure big union city not sure it's a big agent city okay i'm not 100 sure so the fact that tj watt the guy who gets introduced last when the defense gets introduced in pittsburgh has been for a couple years told these people who are potentially trying to get in the way of a long-term deal between tj to go fuck themselves and it walks in Signs his deal, says thank you, and then says, I'm going to go to work. Yeah. Yeah, that sure. is the most perfectly crafted Pittsburgh sentence of all time. Yinzers, I bet you TJ Watts jerseys going oh, all yeah. the way back up there. There's a guy over there somewhere in Allegheny County going, hey, I ain't going to buy Throw that fucking Juju jersey out of here. <laughs> he signed a one-year deal. All right, he wanted more money. He was negotiating with the fucking Ravens. All right, I don't know what this TikTok is, but I'm... The only thing you need is Tic Tac because that fucking taste in your mouth whenever you're saying Juju's name is bad. Mm -hmm. It's oh, a yeah. TJ Watt jersey. You're wearing this every goddamn day. That is basically what Schefter's tweet did. So it has made a lot of people think. Absolute bullshit. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I have, I have someone on good faith. You're, you have a source, you're saying. Uh, source. Oh, uh, okay. Said TJ walked into that room. Said, hey, where are we sitting at? And they're saying, well, $28 million. Uh, 80 some million guaranteed. TJ goes, What's the problem? And then the Steelers said, You tell us. The, the agents go, oh, okay. I think we could get more. He goes, More? 
28 million a year, 80 million guaranteed. I could buy three or four steel mills with that. Okay. Okay. Get out of my way, suits. Boom. Billy Walsh, entourage. Get out of my way, suits. Stupid fucking suit. Goes into AR2's office. Hey, I want to be on that field on Sunday. I want to be the highest player, paid defensive player in the league, which you are giving me, and I thank you. I don't know how I'm going to pay my mortgage, not asking for more money and stuff like that. But you know what? I'm going to take this. I'm going to lead this team seven for seven. And I'm going to go work out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that happened at all because the agents aren't in the building COVID protocols. So what is this group text happening? How is this happening? I I don't fully understand it. He left out a key detail. You know exactly what TJ did when he walked in there. He looked at Art right in the face, put up his hand, (laughs) spit right in his hand. We got a deal. We got a deal. That's old school. That's the way I try to do deals. Yeah. Somebody actually sent me an 18-page contract. Yikes. There was zero chance of me signing that. <laughs> I'm not reading that. I, what, what did you like or not like about the contract? I, I'm going to be honest. I did not read it. As soon as I opened the file and it said one of 18, I said, okay, you're trying to fuck me in here somewhere, and that ain't happening. Okay, we'll talk about it. You, all right, you got it. Sounds good. Perfect. So I'm a bit – now, granted, I'm not recommending everybody does this. Okay, be who you can afford to be. That's right. All right, this is a very real thing, and you have to understand that this could backfire whenever you do these types of things. But I hate the fact that old school disagreements, hey, this is what I'm going to do. That's what you're going to do. Yep, boom, let's do it. Like, they don't exist anymore. Like, I hate that. Because it always gets muddied. Muddied? Muddied. Mm-hmm. Muddied by previous fuckovers. Mm. Okay? So, like, hey, can you, can you not look at me and say that you're, we're not going to end up in a situation that end up with somebody who is much different than both of us right now? Can we just not agree that that's not going to happen? Well, we have to protect ourselves. So it was like, well, I have to protect myself, too. Boom. How about that? Do you want to get into this game? All right, let's do it. Well, this happened and blah, blah, blah. Well, I know this happened and blah, blah, blah. So then all of a sudden, that 18-page contract now, if I really want to get in this, this turns into a 50-page contract. Yeah. Yeah. And do we hate each other by the end of this thing? Or are we just expecting each other to uh, fuck each other over this entire time? And then are we only doing exactly what was... What you're required, required to do. Required to do. Yeah. Or are we maybe trying to... Like, hey, do good business together. And I guess that's how everything in the world just gets fucked up by things that go wrong, I guess. Yeah, it's yeah. politics, essentially, is what it sounded like you were just saying. Hey, but- by the way, it's nice to be in a situation. And once again, be who you can afford to be. This is a That is said in every NFL locker room. Maybe not everyone, but most NFL locker rooms. But it should also be applied to life. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not fair. It's not fair. It's like, well... You have produced nothing for anybody. So So maybe you're going to be treated a little bit differently than other people. Okay, so once you, by the way, we have the utmost faith that you'll be able to blah, blah, blah. But once you do that, guess what? We're going to be in a much different time than we are right now. But for the current moment, you do not deserve to be treated exactly how this particular situation does because you have not proved that you are not this exact situation. That is how the NFL is. One person will miss something, nothing. Another person misses something, okay, you're cut. All right. Well, how's that for? Well, that guy just went for 2,000 yards last year. Yeah. You, guess what? <laughs> Fucking showed up late to a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you've ever been on. So it's not fair. Life isn't fair. We have to acknowledge that and realize that. But it is nice to be at a point where it's up. Nah? All right. Fucking see you later, dude. It took a long road to get here, though. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I'm only 34. I guess it's not that yeah, fucking long. Take the spit shake somewhere else. But you guys said it earlier in the week. Yinzers weren't going to like T.J. Watt not liking, you know, X amount of dollars, $50 million guaranteed. So We, we I, also said, hey, this is T.J. Watt. He's a Watt. He's going to do the right thing. Yeah, and he's going to lie, and it's probably going to be bullshit whatever story they make up about him, just like the fact that he is a Watt. Patches said it definitely wasn't a lie. Uh, definitely was. Ah, uh, yeah. that seems like... <laughs> potentially 
That was a crafted. Yeah. Are we trying to write a movie here? It, it was a hey, how can we get the injured back <laughs> oh, on TJ? I side? mean, what he do? He goes to the weight room, solve just because no one would do said, it for your organization. I'm not fucking leaving, and then they all went. That's exactly what happened. And then saying he announced he was going to go work out is awesome. Yeah. That's like the problem. And by the way. I'm going to go earn that fucking Hell yeah. I'm going to work out. Which, by the way, that was the most believable part of it. I believe <laughs> that he signed the deal and went and worked out. Yeah. He is a Watt brother. Oh, he geez. is incredibly explosive. Like, that is what they are known for. Lunch pail. First one in. Last yeah, one. Hard like, hat. High boater. I mean, every, coach's son. Everything about. They are the stereotype of it. Telling yeah. their bosses we got a deal. He's the leader of the blue collar boys. Bullshit. <laughs> it's not even a question. It's bullshit. All right. I believe the story happened. Thank you. I believe he said, oh, we're done. I believe he said, we're done. Oh, you think Tom would lie to me? I don't know I if mean, he... My source lied to me? I don't know if he... <laughs> did you do it? What I did Aaron Rodgers? I, I do believe that he said, we're good. And they potentially said, no, I can get you more, I can get you more. No, we're good. But the way that tweet read was that he he did his celebratory kick yes. to the agents, walked by them, over them maybe, yeah. walked in and said, let's fucking go. And yeah. then, I'm going to go work out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that. What if, yes. That is how that read. That and sounds they, like TJ Watt. Maybe no that way. did happen. Now that the world's opening back up, so many new thrills are on the horizon. Okay. And whether you've been in a relationship for years or just getting started, we're excited to get back out there and meet new people. Hell yeah. When the moment comes, it's not come too quick. Oh, <laughs> here we go. I get it. That is not what they had in their copy. Okay. <laughs> they should. That was, I think they're going in a different direction, so... Let's go back a sentence or two. Okay, okay. When you when the moment comes, you want to be ready. Hell That's yeah. true. Yeah. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, Ooh. all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Once you take care of that, though, you get the Roman swipes. And guess what? Ha! Lasts a long time. Banging it, banging it, banging it. Yeah, it's yeah. Pete Alonzo at the all <laughs> yes. at the home run derby. That's Boom. right. Dingers. Downtown. <laughs> Bingo. Population you, dude. Hell yeah. Roman ready equals confidence. The confidence that you know you can rise to the occasion in the moment. We're looking at the Summer of Love 2021 version, and Roman wants to make sure you can participate in your way. Whether that be as a single person or a couple who would still rather stay in with each other, a U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you for free with two-day shipping. Okay. That's huge. Free? The shipping's free. Wow. I believe. Not the... Not the medication. Free two-day shipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Go to GetRoman.com slash McAfee today, and if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of ED treatment. Okay. That's G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com slash M-C-A-F-E-E. And if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of erectile dysfunction treatment. Make sure you're ready to have confidence and control this summer. Roman ready. Joining us now. Oh, it's ringing. That was a good tie. Joining us right now. A man who put on for the brand of kickers, punters, and long snappers last night so fucking hard, dude. Hell yeah. 
first punt of the season. And all anybody used to talk about, by the way, with punters and kickers is when they messed up. All right? Yeah. It was never even talked about. The greatness was never discussed. It was normally a, hey, go take a leak. There's a kick happening. You know, that was kind of how it was chatted about for a long time. And as the football community has grown to appreciate and respect the full game of football, I think the punting game, the kicking game, and long snappers are kind of slowly behind. I think it's going to come at some point. They just got to vote for the Pro Bowl, Mm -hmm. but nobody really knows who the fucking best long snapper in the game. I mean, that is a very difficult (laughs) thing to figure out. I'm going to be honest. I don't even know who the best long snapper is in the NFL unless I was to watch every fucking snap, and nobody's doing that. But with that being said, last night, a guy who absolutely slaughtered footballs with pinpoint precision could have landed a punt in a keyhole last night. Super Bowl champion punter of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bradley Pinch. Yeah! Yeah! What's up? How's everybody doing? Hey, did you know going into the season, like, hey, you were on? You felt good all training camp? Like, you knew that that first ball for me was always a nightmare. That first punt of the year was always a nightmare for me because I never really knew, like, okay, hopefully everything from the preseason is going to transition. Even into, like, year seven, year eight for me, I'm like, all right, fuck it. Let's hope this is still going. That ball, as soon as you dropped it and made contact, that had to feel so good. Did it, have you, is this the best you felt hitting balls, Bradley? Absolutely. Uh, I put a lot of work in this offseason um, to just kind of go after it. And I want all pro, pro ball this year. That's what I'm going for. So um, I put a bunch of work in with Dan Orner, my kicking coach in the offseason. And we got a great special teams unit around me. Great long snapper and Zach. He might be the best in the league. There's your answer for you. Okay. And, Thank you for um, that. So I don't have to watch all the film. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's just uh, I knew when I hit it, it was going to be good. But I didn't know it was going to be that good. Yeah, you kind of got a hope too, right? I mean, there's yeah. you're talking about in the game. You guys all know from uh, yeah. coffin cornering there. You got to hope that it's in real life that the thing turns over maybe a little bit. It was beautiful. I like the fact that you said you want to go all pro, pro bowl because I think that decision is one that you have to actively make, actively pursue, and you're going to be in a lot of primetime games this year. And you started off. I don't think you could have had a better. I mean, that ball could have been at the one. Yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah. I mean, I, sh- I know. I have a strength and conditioning coach that uh, always gives me a hard time. He was like, only the two, bro? Like, come on. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I could have done a little better. You hit some kickoffs out of the back of the end zone. I mean, you you are bombing the ball right now. Are you, what are you? Size and weight? Uh, 6'6", 250. God damn. <laughs> Think about Dan Orlovsky. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, think about Dan Orlovsky just the other day during the game saying, oh, can't get tackled by the punter or the kicker. Think about some slap dick on the internet saying, <laughs> oh, these punt skip, these non-athletes uh-huh. come out here. 6'6", 250, okay? You are an absolute monster, Bradley. Uh, <laughs> going into the game winner there. Sokup had been hitting the ball very clean, by the way. This guy? Hey! <laughs> what up, dude? Congrats. What's up, man? I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. You know, I, Pat, I got to tell you, I appreciate you having me on, but I really shouldn't be on here, man, because I got to I gotta get this off my chest before we start, man. No. You made, you made my life pretty – you know, the AFC South connection, right? We played you guys home and away every year, all those years in Indy and Tennessee. You made my life pretty miserable for all those years, man, because you know every time you played us it was like fake punt, yeah. onside kick. Yeah, yeah. Down at balls inside the five, kind of hitting the ball like Penn did last night. Yeah, best games I've ever had. Yeah, that's... you know how those you know how those coaches get. They get a little uptight every time we go play number one up in Indy. So I really should be on your show because you made my life miserable for two weeks a year every year. So well, I just it, want to it, get that off my chest. Well, I appreciate that. That's very nice of you. And also, 
he was very nice enough, uh, him and Brett Kern, to sign jerseys for me and Vinatieri. Oh. And uh, we, they, it wasn't immediately after the game because the exchange is like, it's worth money. It's a fucking nightmare. So it was a late send or whatever. And uh, I will say, Adam Vinatieri and I completely forgot to send it. <laughs> uh, we are bad people. We are big fans of yours, Ryan. Always have been. You are Mr. Irrelevant, same class as me. You go to Kansas City. Your career is just absolutely beautiful. You always have that draw on the ball. It felt like last night you were hitting that thing cleaner than ever. Uh, same mindset as Bradley. Are you guys coming into this thing this season like, hey, we're hitting the ball really well. We're on a great team. Let's enjoy this thing, Ryan? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously – you know how you know how important snapper and holder all that all that stuff is man those guys make my job so easy so uh man when i when i'm working with those guys it's uh it's pretty easy to go out there and, and just trust them and, and put a good swing on the ball so i'm really uh, grateful to have those guys in my corner man what was the game winner 36 last night yeah i think so 36 where were you good from you think if you had to not nothing last night really stretched you but if how are you feeling eight because you're old man you're an old ass dude now, bro. <laughs> you're old now bro. i'm telling you i'm telling you man they uh yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's been kind of fun. I, I, that's one of the things I've enjoyed is, is trying to figure out new ways to, to keep improving and, and uh, keep improving with your body. And, you know, there's a guy uh, that plays quarterback here that's done a pretty good job of that. So I try to just kind of watch what he does. And, uh, and you know, you can learn little things along the way. So that, that's kind of a, a blessing to, to be in the same locker room with that guy. Hey, Bradley, you and Suckup uh, eating avocado ice cream down there, boys? Uh, it's more like the avocado tequila, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, congratulations, boys. Hell of a start. Thank you for the time. Uh, and enjoy the hell out of your day, all right? Appreciate it. Appreciate you having us on. Thanks for having us on, Pat. All the best, man. Hey, suck up. I Literally, it's very difficult to find a jersey of mine these days, but I'm going to find one and I'm going to send a couple <laughs> down there. I appreciate you guys so much. Hell of a show last night. Thank you, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, you. kicker and punter. what you're doing, buddy. Hey, you got it. Uh, kicker and putter for the Super Bowl champ, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Game winners last night, bombing balls all over the place. Can't wait to watch them for 16, 16 more games, by the way. Bradley Pinion and Ryan Sucker. Yeah! Yeah! Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is an absolute delight to chat with, I think. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a good way to describe him. We've only had him on the show one time, I believe, but I've watched him talk. You're, inc you're talking about incredibly articulate. Uh, it's his first year being a head coach in the NFL, but he's quarterback who sees the game through the eyes of a defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. With the Chargers, who have an incredible team, just got done with his first training camp, going into his first weekend as an NFL head coach. They got the Washington football team on the road. Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Brandon Staley. Yeah! Coach, what's up? Guys, thanks for having me. Great to be with you. Appreciate the intro, as always. No, you deserve it, man. You are, it seems like, every player that's ever played for you, in every interview I've ever seen of you, every conversation we've gotten to have with you, whether it's off air or on air, you're the same guy all the time. I bet this team is loving you, huh? How is the team? How's your relationship? How do you feel after your first training camp as the big dog? Well, I just got off the practice field with the guys for a really really good walkthrough so that that's making me feel good right now our guys I feel like are in a good place Pat because I think they know our standard of performance around here and I think they're comfortable with that and I think our relationships are really good right now as you know there's a lot of tough things to talk about in the NFL in an NFL week you know I joke with the guys there's just every week I say the same thing like there's so much that goes into an NFL week and there's so many things to cover and it requires you being close so that you can work through things together and I think that we're in a good spot in all three phases of, of understanding how we play and, and what we want to do and who we want to do it with. So uh, I think training camp, I mean, it went by in a blur. 
uh, but I felt like you know we were able to really measure ourselves and find out about our team. And I, I felt like you know the month just flew by, and that's normally a sign that you know things are going well. And I think our guys are really into what we're doing, and now we get to go compete and play for real. So I, I uh, want to talk to you about your game coming up, obviously, and the football. But I think I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you that every single coaching friend of mine that goes on to become a head coach. Okay, they always say off air, they're like, hey, the amount of bullshit that ends up adding to your life that you don't know or expect. And, and by bullshit, I don't think they meant it in a negative term. They're just talking like a lot more gets chatted about when you're the head coach as opposed to just football. Have you experienced that? How has that been? Has Tom Telesco been a, a great tag team partner for you over there? What has it been like within the, in the big chair now where you got to deal with shit off the field as well, not just the football players in your meeting room? Yeah, Pat, I think it's such an important point because the role does change. You know, I've been a defensive coordinator before, and so I've done that job. And, you know, I feel like as a head coach, I think what you can't minimize is that there's a lot that's happening to you for the first time. And so to have a guy like Tom Telesco, who has over, you know, 30 years of NFL experience, who's been with Hall of Fame, you know, coaches like Tony Dungy and Jim Caldwell and, uh, you know, Bill Pauling, a Hall of Fame general manager, being around Marv Levy, you know, just, I, you know, there's so much wisdom there. And then on our coaching staff, there's so many people I can learn from. You know, we got Ronaldo Hill, who played 10 years in the NFL. Mm. Mike, Mike Wilhoy, who's on my staff, was a seven-year linebacker. Um, and then Joe Lombardi, you know, was Sean Payton, one of the best coaches in the game, Drew Brees. And so I've been able to lean on a lot of other people, uh, you know, with their experiences. And I think more than anything, guys, like anytime you're doing something for the first time, you just got to get into rhythm. I think that's the big thing is just finding your rhythm and your routine. And, and I think that I'm, I'm working on that every day. There's so much to do. And those people that say all that, they're right. But I, I look at it always, you know, as a competitor. It, it, I think it brings out the best of me. Every, every time you're doing something new, it just challenges you. And that's the way I look at it. And um, every day there's a list of things I know that I should have done better. But I just wake up and I, I try to do those things better the next day and keep it moving. Coach. I mean, I feel like we just kind of want to run through a wall for you. Yeah. Man. Like, the way you frame things is, like, such an optimistic, hard work. Like, the way you frame things naturally, I'd assume, is why I, I think even when you were playing quarterback at Dayton, people were like, hey, you're going to be a great coach. Like, the way not only your football knowledge, but the way you frame things, now that you're the head coach running your own team, I want to let you know, although we just met you, Proud of you, bub. Hey, proud of you, man. It's cool stuff. And let's talk about your team. Hey, that team last year, a lot of games that were like this close. If there was some better situational awareness, I think, I assume you guys had to address that. You probably saw that in the film as well, four-minute drill, two-minute drill. We talked about a lot of that stuff. But with Herbert, with how good he looked and the way the team responded to the whole situation of Herbert becoming the starter, it feels like your team's pretty fucking close. You feel pretty good about the squad and, and everything that Herbert's got going on as well? Yeah, I like the way that we attacked the offseason from a player acquisition standpoint. I thought free agency in the draft, we were able to really add a lot of key components to our football team. I think we kind of were able to remake our offensive line, you know, starting with Corey Lindsley, who we feel like is one of the elite players in the league, Matt Filer, Odea Bushi, and then we certainly drafted Rashawn in the first round at tackle. So I, I, I like what we did um, on the offensive line. And then I felt like, you know, the Pat, I think one of the big things that we wanted to establish here was a deep team. I, we're not there yet, but just a, a deep team that's a complete team in all three phases. And then, you know, the, the, the side of the football that doesn't get talked enough about is the kicking game. And so Ty's a at, stud. That, that a lot of key pieces in the kicking game, you know, core four special teams guys that are going to, we feel like, make a difference for us. And we feel like we've got a really good punter. We added a deep snapper, Matt Overton, who you probably know a lot about. He's a veteran guy who's, 
He's added a lot from a command standpoint, just an operational standpoint. He's a he's a leader. He's a general. And, um, you know, we've got a young kicker, Tristan Vizcaino, who's really talented. And, and so we're really trying to re- reshape our kicking game um, and get a lot of impact players so that we can be a complete team in that phase. And so um, we're working towards it. We're going to find out, you know, starting this Sunday. But uh, that, Pat, that was our big goal is just to become a team of teams where all three phases know exactly how we play, why we do all that. And, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes this season. This is Matt Overton's hat, you know, like uh, I love that dude. That does- like a hat that he would wear. Yeah, yeah. By the way, he only sells these hats, by the way. I mean, it's basically like Matt Overton's like, I want to kind of get into the game. I got a brand here. What do I want to sell? Well, what do I wear every day? Oh, these fucking flat bill hats. That's the way and he sells them, but we have them. Uh, I love that you bring them over there. And the way you chat about like the command and the comfort level, that's a big deal to make everybody else. Your punter ties a stud, dude. I love watching that dude play football. I, I appreciate the way you just talked about the special teams, though, because I think anybody that goes on to win this whole thing, uh, people will realize, like, hey, their kicking game's probably pretty solid. Like, they're not giving, they don't have three people covering, for instance, the Packers last year, yeah. their their punt team was getting killed. They had people covering, and there was four people in a straight line. It's like, that's not going to win. you. That's going to lose you games right there. That is going to lose you games there. I like your attention to detail, Coach. I love everything you're about. Go ahead, Ty. Coach, I think the, the first time we talked to you, it was right after you got named head coach. Uh, I'm just curious, like, now that you've actually got to meet him and spend time around him, are there any things about Justin Herbert, like maybe some preconceived notions that you had that have been dispelled? It's like, oh, actually, this guy's much better at doing this than I thought he was, or, or the, this is something that – uh, I think he can work on to to really take that next step this year. Are there any things like that that you've noticed about him uh, now that you're with him every day? I think uh, probably just not knowing him personally, but a lot of the pre-draft stuff about some of his, you know, like the leadership style and things like that. Like I just smile because you know he was just you know almost a unanimous captain, you know, like <laughs> and our, like his guy, like our guys just love him so much. So it's hard for me to believe that anyone ever said that about him because he's just got such a refreshing way about him and he's such a hard worker and he just has the respect of everybody here and and that's so hard when you're a young guy to earn that type of respect and and not respect because of how talented he is he has the respect of people because of how humble and hardworking he is so I think he's just been really refreshing to to, to be around he's kind of got a wicked sense of humor don't let him off shucks you he's got a really wicked sense of humor oh he's Ohio so, he's deep yeah, yeah. You're going to have to hold him to that. Um, oh, yeah. Make you funny. He kind of, I was with Keenan yesterday before routes on air and he, me and Keenan were talking about something and he's like, Hey, you know, can, can we get on with it? Like, are you guys done yet? You know, like sort of, you know, giving us a, I was like, you just said that so gently, you know, like you were so gentle with that, but he's just got a, a you know, a really refreshing way about him. And uh, he's been fun to work with because he's such a hard worker. He's the last one on the practice field every day. He's the first one in um, all those things that you would hope. Uh, but then I, I just really think his leadership style really fits our team, and and I love working with him. I'm excited about his progress, and you know, excited to see him play the season for us. I'm pumped to hear that because these mic'd ups that they put out of him, he's not talking because he hates being on camera. I guess, I guess that's like the thing he doesn't like being on camera. It's almost like a game between he and the social media department on whether or not they can catch him. They actually released a video of them hiding, trying to get him, and him running around them like f. <laughs> Basically, yeah. no, nah, I ain't doing this whole thing. So I didn't know what it what it meant, especially with those preconceived mo- notions. But whenever you say anonymous uh, captain, and then you haven't even got a chance to really experience him like in a game because you're not going to have him in practice running people over. I think that was when the respect was earned for him. That first what first drive, yeah, yeah, he's an animal. He's a 
He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's a bigger. So what people don't because of how he he carries himself, like he he's two forty, okay, but he looks like he's like two twenty, you know. But I mean, this guy's a two hundred forty pound guy with eight point eight percent body fat. I mean, this guy's like a lot bigger person than you think, and um, a lot faster person than you think, a lot stronger person than you think, and 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 it's because of how hard he works at his game. I mean, this guy is a. I'm talking. He's a gym rat, and in all the right ways. And, and, and I think so physically, he's impressive. But like hey. I said, I think what's rare about the guy is that when people uh, like on our team like and, and around our team talk about him, that's not the first thing that they talk about. They talk about his intangibles first, and that's, uh, that's obviously a good sign. Man, good for you. Now, if he's terrible, I know a lot of eyes, <laughs> a lot of eyes are going to go at you. Yep. I mean, that is just the head coaching job now and also the play, our potential play caller. Indeed, go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Coach, because you're coming from the Rams, uh, will you leave notes around the stadium talking shit to McVay about how it's Chargers country now and L.A.'s your city? Uh, or is it pretty amicable bet- between you two? Definitely, uh, definitely not. Um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry. Sorry. Just, just kind of that happens a lot. Um, I'm, you know, I'm obviously rooting for all those guys because um, without them, I wouldn't be here, you know, and Sean specifically because, you know, one year ago, fellas, nobody knew who I was, you know, but Sean did, you know, and so, you know, the reason why I'm here today is because he believed in me, supported me, and allowed me to be as good as I could be. So I'm rooting for those guys. Uh, those players and coaches mean a lot to me. So, um, you know, I'm excited to, to, to watch those guys play this year. That's awesome. You, you give the right answer every single time. It's amazing. <laughs> and I think you naturally do it. Like, it seems to be, like, just your natural response is, like, hey, like, no, actually, I'm very grateful. Like, it is incredible to hear that, you know, because that is... It's just easier to tell the truth, you know? Like, it's just, it's easier, it's just easier to tell the How truth. How old are you? How old are you? I'm 38. Golly, Damn. 38, and then McVeigh's young, too, over there in L.A. Mm-hmm. You guys both have great teams right now. It's It must be good to live out in uh, in the place where there's no rain, right? Is life good out there? Chargers fans, do you get to feel them at all? Have you had it opened uh, to to the fans at training camp, and how has it been? Yeah, training camp was, was awesome. They were able to come to, to watch us play, and then we were able to scrimmage in the stadium. Uh, we had two preseason games there, you know, one against the Rams, one against the Niners, and – so I feel like our brand, you know, the Chargers, I think, um, you know, the branding where I know that the brand is a, is a big deal on your show. Uh, there we go. Our, our brand is, is, is exciting. Uh, and I feel like uh, we have an awesome digital media team here. For guys, like, you know, there's so much that goes into being a great team. But, like, our digital and social team is – they're incredible. Like, the, this group of people, just how creative, hardworking. They're, they're amazing. Uh, and so – I feel like they've done such a good job with with our team and, and, and engaging our fans and getting getting our fans to understand the, the people, you know, underneath the shoulder pads and helmets inside the building, you know, giving the fans access to what we do and how we do it because that's what fans want and that's what they deserve is to like, hey, if I'm rooting for something, I want to know what I'm rooting for. And so we've tried to give fans that type of access, you know, so that they can kind of know the personal stories around our players and what's important to them and what's important to our ownership and their, you know, the Spanos family, stuff like that. So it's just been a, a cool partnership to, and we're just at the beginning, but uh, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited, you know, about, about where this thing can go. Hey, that's very, I, I assume you were asked 
on what can be released, what can't be released. That's just good. That's smart, by the way, to allow your social media team to do this type of thing. And that's like thinking ahead as opposed to an archaic thought that some teams will remain to have. And inevitably, all teams are going to end up doing this. I think it's also a, might be a reason why Hard Knocks has kind of lost its luster because of how talented social media teams are about giving us behind-the-scenes stuff. And your team up there, not only the jerseys are fresh. I mean, those things yeah. are incredible every single time. It feels like any throwback, anything you guys do, social media team understands the internet and that is very difficult to do a lot of places businesses teams try to do it you guys hit a home run i think it's smart though for the entire operation be like yeah we should want people to do this the colts are also in this city very good at it but there are some teams that are terrible i love the chargers because what you guys got running smart decision to let them do it the coach uh go ahead Diggs. coach i don't know if you know this or you've been told this but you are the odds on favorite to win coach of the year does that Whoa! Does that add hey, any, add any pressure? Hey, Are you flattered? Does that add any pressure? How do you feel about that? Again, one of those questions. I don't know if I have a great reaction <laughs> to that question, guys. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just how I live. Just I'm I'm so in the moment, guys. I, I feel like I'm I'm just so day to day. My wife gets upset about that, you know, because I'm not super long term thinker. Uh, you know, for, first day of school today for the kids, you know, that was a huge day for the Staley's. But you know, I'm just I'm just so excited about today. You know, we've got a practice today, red area, maroon zone, um, first, second, third down review like that. That's where my mind is. And, and our team, you know, we that's just where my my focus is as a competitor and and i'm going to try and do my best today to compete and teach and lead the best i can and, and then that's all i know how to do is for the other stuff i know that if we work hard enough then good things will happen for all of us so uh you know we've got a really special group of guys here that i really love coaching and that i love coaching with love working with and that's just the truth you know that's just not me talking it's just i really feel that way and and now we get to we get to stop talking we get to start playing I oh, think uh, because of your we, we answer talk. right there is why you're the odds-on favorite, by the way. I think because <laughs> of what you just said is why you're the odds-on favorite. And we are honored to chat with you. Last question here from me. We're talking to head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, Brandon Staley. Uh, you said in your answer there the maroon zone. Is that because you're playing against a team that has maroon, or is that what you guys call the red zone? And what are your thoughts going to Washington? That's a damn good football team. Mm-hmm. Hey. Maroon, uh, maroon is just the higher part of the red, 30 to the 16 for us. Red is 15 to the 4, so just that higher part of the red. Uh, oh, shit, so- we're breaking down. Hey, we're, we're separating the red zone now. We are going, hey, this is the high red, low red. Let's go. Is this the future, yeah. I guess? And I, yeah. Am I behind on this? <laughs> but I, I got a lot of respect for this um, city, number one, you know, where so much happens in the United States is in D.C., and, and I think that this team has got such great history uh, and as, as us growing up, I mean, this, this was team, uh, an incredible franchise with the, with the Hogs and, and all that and a bunch of Super Bowls with Joe Gibbs and, and that group. And so I have so much respect for this organization. And then with, with Ron Rivera, with him being there, NFL Coach of the Year, coming there in a COVID year through a cancer journey, um, you know, just remarkable leadership. And they've got a really good young team. they got a really good young team. Um, and they got a, a quarterback that they acquired that I think is going to help make them even better because uh, I defended them last year and just feel like, you know, this team this team's going to be tough to play against, and, and we're going to really find out a lot about our team uh, this weekend. How are you not going to overreact after week one? I mean, I guess it sounds like you're like the most level-headed human of all time, but fans are going to overreact after week one, and we all know that how you are week one, 
is indicative of nothing in the future of the NFL. Teams can change so much, especially in this COVID world. Uh, last question. Can I ask you about the COVID thing real quick? Sure. Yeah. It's going to happen, huh? Everybody's just going to have to. It's going to happen. And that's just how you have to view, you have to view it is like it's going to happen inevitably. I think, Pat, like all of us, you, me, you, everybody, like we just we're learning so much every day. I know just speaking from my position, our position as a team, like we're just this thing is moving, right? I mean, it's moving so much since I got hired in January alone, this thing has moved and changed so much. And so I think that that's what we're learning is you got to stay current with it. We know, I know how serious it is. Our players know how serious it is. All we can try and do is build an ecosystem that's safe, follow the rules to the best of our ability. But then you also know the reality is that these things are happening. And then, okay, if they do happen, we got to keep it moving. We got to keep it moving. We got to learn from it and keep going and, and, and not letting, if something does happen, not let that, you know, set us back let it catapult us forward so we learn from it and, and, and move on. And so I think all of us in the NFL are just trying to do the best we can. I know as a, as a country, as a nation, we're, you know, we're all in it together, man. We're all in it together. We're trying to do the best we can to keep everybody safe. It is kind of like an equalizer amongst like coaches, you know, like it definitely, you're coming into the NFL as a head coach in one of the most difficult times in the history of the NFL because of uh, protocols and social distancing and everything like that. It might actually benefit the, I mean, a lot of things are going to benefit you because of the conversation we just had and what we've learned about you is you're going to be benefited by a lot of things. But in this modern world with technology and getting creative and having to do things, it seems like, you know, you're, I don't want to say greatly suited for it, but it is like almost an equalizer for everybody. And I can't wait to see how you handle it. Your team goes, you're a legend, man. I can't wait to see what you end up doing out there. And we can't thank you enough for your time. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. Big fans, and I appreciate you guys having us on. Nah, you're the best, dude. Good luck this weekend and this season. Ladies and gentlemen, head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, Brent Staley. So sorry to interrupt, but I want to let you know that if you're not gambling with FanDuel, you're wrong. Okay, FanDuel Sportsbook is available in uh, seven states, I believe, at this point. Uh, six, seven, eight. You get it. If you're not gambling with FanDuel Sportsbook, though, you're completely wrong. And if we're not in your state yet, we are coming to your state. We have better odds. We have a much easier to use app. The convenience is next level. The people at FanDuel actually refund people when they shouldn't refund people, giving back hundreds of millions and millions of dollars to their users users FanDuel Sportsbook is the best sports book going for a lot of reasons most of them what I just said uh, we are very thankful for our partnership with FanDuel obviously there are so many different ways to win there's more things to bet on their boosts seem to always hit which is just fucking themselves over time and time again uh, we love the hell out of FanDuel Sportsbook and you will too if you haven't used it yet use it nah also, there's fantasy on there, daily fantasy, and free-to-play games where you can win money. Shout out to FanDuel, shout out to you. Let's get back to the show. Joining us now, ladies and gentlemen, almost, he is fucking around with his internet. Uh, joining us here in about a couple moments will be a Super Bowl champion and a college football national champion, AJ Hawk. Uh, Sirius, we've been live for an hour on YouTube. We will definitely talk about what happened last night, which was a magical game to kick off the NFL regular season in the 2021 year. Ed Sheeran came out and played songs that none of us knew, but were kind of bangers. Some of the 10s um, were maybe a little bit different 
different than we had imagined or wished for and, and hoped for. But then the rain stopped. It became a beautiful night. Banner ceremony, sign display thing. Yikes. Kind of underwhelming. I mean, I guess that whole thing. But Tom Brady put on an absolute show. Dak Prescott put on a show. There was a lot of unexpected things that happened, mostly because we thought that was going to be a double-digit game. The fact that it was only a two-point game. I mean, the Buccaneers are minus three in a turnover margin. You only have like an yeah. 8% chance of winning when you're minus three in a turnover margin uh, since the merger. So a lot of mistakes were made, but that's because Dallas Cowboys played a lot better, I think, than any of us could have expected. Congrats to the Buccaneers. We got a chance to chat with Bradley Pinion, the putter that was dominant last night for the Buccaneers, and Ryan Suckup in the first hour uh, who kicked the game winners last night. They seem to be in a great headspace. Oh, yeah. And Connor said this during the break, and it's a real thing. Tom Brady gets to your team. All of a sudden, the accountability's high. Uh, Bradley Pinion said he went to work this offseason. He said, I won't be all pro. I won't be pro ball. Fuck it. I'm 6'6", 250. I can hammer balls. I'm going to get my consistency to a level where I can be considered the greatest in the game. He's He started out in a great way yeah. to say that. I can't wait to watch him. And then Suckup's hitting the ball better, I think, than I've ever seen him hit. He was at the Chiefs for a while. He was at the Titans in the AFC South. He got drafted the same year as me. He was Mr. Irrelevant. He got a parade. He was like 10 picks after me or whatever. He got a parade. I got uh, sent to Indianapolis, yeah. obviously. Okay. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was a great time. Uh, but I'm so happy for both of them. Uh, what a game to start this whole thing. Join us now, ladies and gentlemen, AJ. AJ, haven't gotten a chance to hear your thoughts on the game last night, man. What a start to the NFL season. We we lost money, okay? Mm. A lot of people are tweeting me, obviously telling me I'm a bum and my super boost, which was the same exact thing as the spread at the end, by the way, so... Actually, pretty good bet. It was actually pretty good Super Boost, even though it didn't hit. I, I feel bad for that. FanDuel, obviously, is elated with how that thing turned out. But as a big Mike McCarthy guy, you got to be pumped with how that team looked. They looked great last night, A.J. Hawk. Yeah, there's no moral victories. I think we talked about on the show yesterday. If they make it a game, if it's close, and give Dallas hope, then that's kind of – it's yeah, it's not a win, but at least, hey, like we're, we're not uh, – people aren't completely down on them. Yeah, I think it was – it was a fun game. I mean, the Cowboys could have won that thing. They really could have. I think they played well enough. Dak played much better than I thought coming off of everything that he's dealing with. So it was uh, an awesome game. Some cool schematic things, like offensively, how they took advantage of different things. Tampa Bay did. But I think uh, Diggs also standing up for Micah Parsons. Appreciate you, Diggs. I think that was a nice little thing you did for him. Was, was I correct? Yeah, some, I mean, they. he's in a tough spot, man. Like, early on in the red zone, too, they, they, they flash play action in front of him. He could be in that little window there. I think the touchdown to Godwin early when they threw. It was one of his first plays he'd been in, too, Parsons. Like, and they're flashing run fake in front of you, and it's your rookie year, your first game ever in the NFL. Like, it's tough not to react to that. Okay, how long do you think that takes for you to get a good grasp on when the run is potentially or when it is play action, especially with Tom. Tom has always been very successful with the play action. He actually uh, talked about having a meeting with Peyton Manning down in Tennessee where they added this play action where the guard would even pull during the play but stay behind the line of scrimmage, play action would happen. And then he said his exact words were, Gronk has scored like 80 touchdowns on this thing. His play action has always been a problem. For Micah, how long does that take to get a kind of a feel? Is that just a feel thing and you got to kind of live and die with it? Or what is it, you think? It's a feel thing, but you also kind of have to get into the rhythm of the game to get that feel. You gotta, it, you're not feeling and watching the quarterback-running back exchange. You're feeling the offensive linemen. Are they firing out to mm. block for run? Or are they – like their center also does a good job of getting he, – he doesn't go downhill. He doesn't get down the field, but he fires off to go like on his little – on his block back towards like the, the shade or the, the nose that's over top of him. And it makes – as a linebacker, you feel that guy firing off. And you're like, okay, maybe it's a run. 
and it's going to make you at least check for the run. So, yeah, it's a tough spot, man. It really is. Jensen, by the way, savage of a human. <laughs> First taunting call in the uh, NFL. And by hey, the way. do you get thrown out for throwing a punch, though? Yeah. Don't you normally get thrown out? Uh, that was a clear punch to the face. Now, yeah. I, by the way, I like that. It feels as if the refs almost read the moment, right? Yeah, yeah. That ref, he did. He had his mic on. That, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying they read the moment. Instead of kicking him out, uh, whenever he came over, what do you say? Let's just say, yeah. <laughs> uh, like it. he was so mind blown by what Jensen said to the person, and then the ref who heard oh, there was a punch, and he was like, "Ah, oh, but he did say, okay, they offset. Let's just fucking go." <laughs> yeah. Like I, if that's how it's going to work out forever, I appreciate that. But that's what Jensen's known for, by the way. And Jensen's becoming a vet here now, right? Like a, a real. He got paid. He's become an owner. Those are tricks that centers know. Like, okay, even if this is a play action, if I can at least make it appear as if I'm coming off to go get somebody or get to the second level, they have to respect it. They have to trust it more. Play action isn't just a quarterback thing. It's an entire offense thing is what you're saying. It's everybody. Yeah, you have to. The O-line has to give the impression that it's a run. They have to fire out of their stance and not sit back like it's passed. And that's what all the linebackers, the safeties, everybody's feeling like you're looking through the lineman into the backfield. But, yeah, you have to feel it. And the Bucks do a very good job of disguising it. Yeah, and it did feel like Warren Sharp and PFF, who, by the way, I am a fan of. Okay, I'm pro football folks. There's a punter of the decade. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's pretty easy to, to judge punt, punts and kicks. Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay, you know what's potentially supposed to happen but i think the knock on pro football focus has always been like you don't know what the coverage is you don't know what their job is so how can you judge every single play when they say we go through every single play a lot of it used to be former nfl scouts though right so a lot of former nfl scouts that started up there with chris collinsworth it was like they could get a good guess on what the coverage or the call was even though disguising is something that a lot of these guys are incredible at doing so they don't even know what the call is but so that's always been called into question but whenever pro football focus and when warren sharp another person who's a authority on football like hey i watch all the film i'd see everything i do everything and he's put up a great reputation and i'm a fan but whatever they both say like oh this guy's a fucking idiot it's it's immediately like in your head it's hard not to think like okay is this guy wrong if you're not somebody that understands like oh there might be a little bit more to this thing than just needing a map in this entire game yeah i mean it's, and it's that's the, what the guys was saying by the way hero digs by the way and maybe yeah. digs you are, but think about it, your first NFL game. You know Micah Parsons is an energetic guy, too. Like he's, He can roll. He can fly. So the, the Bucks credit to them for probably recognizing he was in. Hey, we got a young, eager guy. Let's let's flash a play action in front of him and try to get a window behind him. Uh, we're about to have and start a segment. And <laughs> before we get to uh, Coach JB, I would like to say the Ravens, I am so sorry. Yeah. yeah. I am so sorry to the Ravens organization, the Ravens players, the Ravens fan base, and obviously the players that have gotten hurt. I am sorry that this has happened, but these are key players getting hurt for the Baltimore Ravens just days before the season starts. Obviously, J.K. Dobbins in the last preseason game, stud stallion. No worries. They have Gus Edwards. Old Gussie's a fucking electric factory. Gus Edwards, torn ACL. He's also out. Then Marcus Peters, a man who immediately upon joining the Baltimore Ravens defense from the Los Angeles Rams, game changer, difference maker, big stud for them. Torn ACL. And allegedly, Gus uh, Edwards and Marcus Peters in practice, that was one play after another. Mm -hmm. Torn ACL, torn ACL, and Harbaugh. I was like, everybody get off the fucking field. They signed Latavius Murray. They signed uh, Devontae Freeman. Mm -hmm. And they signed Le'Veon Bell. Let's assume uh, Latavius Murray is going to be their starter. Let's assume that Le'Veon Bell still has some in the tank. We don't know. Uh, Devontae Freeman. So maybe they'll be able to pick up where they left off. Marcus Peters is going to be a massive loss on the defensive side. Before we get to Coach JB, your thoughts on what's going on with the Ravens? This stinks. Like, injuries happen, but this stinks for them right now 
especially in injuries that happen in practice too. Like that, that hurts even worse because you're like, oh, I guess this is kind of avoidable. But yeah, it's especially when it's great players like that too. Marcus Peters, I think that's a huge loss. That dude is like the lifeblood of that secondary for sure. He was the pick immediately oh, yeah. right to the logo, not oh, yeah. even thinking. Hey, I remember what y'all fuckers did eight weeks ago. You, yeah. you, oh, you think we forgot? No, no, no. Pick to win it right to the logo, and that's like that was perfect shit talk. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. That was exactly how it's supposed to go. You know, that's exactly what's supposed to happen in that whole thing with what obviously the Titans did when they went to Baltimore, which caused us to think who would win in a fight between Vrabel and Harbaugh, and everybody on this show went quickly to, oh, Vrabel would beat the fuck out of that guy. And not that Harbaugh's not a tough guy, it's just Vrabel will literally eat a pack of cigarettes, yeah. yes. chug a case of beer, and then go run sprints and win a Super Bowl, and he has that mustache, and he's still fighting NFL players on a daily basis. Another coach that I feel like, if he ever makes it to the NFL, which, by the way, who says no? Who, who says, says no? Me. Champion. Coach, superstar of Last Chance U, and a man who will be joining us every Feel Good Friday, founder of Slap Dick Whiskey, ladies and gentlemen, the real coach JB, Jason Brown. Yeah! Yeah, what, up? what up? You got to hear me all right? Yeah, you sound great. How you doing, dude? Hey, I'm hanging in there, brother. You? Hey, not too shabby. I appreciate you joining us. We are very excited for this. And I said this to um, everybody that was listening yesterday. Like, I have no idea how the crowd is going to feel and the audience is going to feel about Coach JB every single week. Every time you've come on, it's been good reaction, but I have no idea. This is strictly for us. Uh -huh. <laughs> we are massive fans of yours, Coach. We can't thank you enough. Let's get right into it. Uh, did you watch the NFL game last night? How many guys do you know out there? And what were your thoughts on how that whole thing unfolded? Uh, yeah, I watched a little bit of it, man. I was actually speaking to a uh, college team, man, out here in uh, L.A., um, <laughs> And uh, I got to get after after that. I took one of the quarterbacks that I'm kind of mentoring and uh, took him over to the bar. Well, not to the bar, right. but, <laughs> but uh, I drank and he sat behind me um, and so kind of watched the game and kind of helped him learn the game, actually. So that's why I took him because uh, they got a game tomorrow. But, uh, man, you know, I broke it down like this, man. I think that was Dak Prescott's best game ever. And it was just fucking negated by the greatest of all time. I mean, that's just people that don't know the sport really don't understand. He threw for 400. It was like 70% completion percentage. And that game will never even be remembered. Who gives a fuck? You lost. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and Coach JB, and he took a bunch of shots too. Like Dak was eating, eating yep. D-lineman right in his body. No doubt. Taking big shots and making throws, man. I was trying to tell the quarterback, it's all about your feet and shit, how you point your lead foot. And he was just like, damn. And he's just taking shot after shot. And you gave fucking Brady up one minute too much. Um, whenever you watch elite football players, and you've been around a lot of them, right? Oh, yeah. You've been around a lot of them, Coach JB. And I don't think a lot of people understand truly how big the JUCO system is into the feeder system, into D1, and then obviously into the NFL. What was the percentage of NFL guys that were JUCO guys? I think like 28 or something at one point. That's Damn. huge. That is massive, obviously, especially with the way the public education system is. I mean, we can get into all that shit if we really want to. And, uh, you know, everything, communities, and you, we can get into all that conversation. But the JUCO thing's a big deal. Whenever you see an elite talent that could potentially make it to the NFL, what is the first thing you got to tell them? Like, what is your first thing you're teaching these 18-year-old kids that probably have had zero authority, not because they chose for that, just kind of how their life has been? What do you tell these guys, and how do you get them to buy in? 
man, I had a conversation last night. People were asking me, like, how'd you get so many good players? I'm like, look, first of all, I was different at JUCO because I recruited NFL players, not Division One players. They're like, what do you mean? I said, well, I've been a personnel guy my whole life. I kind of been a good judge of character and evaluation of talent. And I'm like, you know, Jermaine Johnson, who just got ACC Player of the Week uh, against Notre Dame, DN for Florida State, played at Georgia last two years. He was at Indy on the show with me. But I said, he's an NFL player. I said, he's not just a Division One guy. I said, so you got to understand there's a difference. And I try to I try to let people understand that. And uh, I don't think people get it. And so I, I tell them, uh, you know, I kind of tell those kids, I said, listen, man, you got to go be different. It's easy to be fucking average. You got to go fucking be different. And I'm like, you know, you got to go do the things that others don't do. And I'm like, whatever that is. And I'm like, and don't get fucking don't act hurt. You know, Raheem Boyd, my running back, who, who was leading the SEC and rushing at Arkansas, who don't win a fucking league game for two years. <laughs> um, you know, basically, basically, I'm like, dude, the Lions cut you because you were hurt. And you're an undrafted free agent rookie. And I said, I, so I sent him a picture of, uh, of uh, the, the legs of, what's his name, the running back for the Giants. Saquon. Surgery. Saquon, right? I'm showing him a picture of his legs. I go, look at his fucker's legs. <laughs> I go, this is the difference. And look at your body. I'm like, and I said, no knock on you. I want you to go get in the league, bro. But I said, you got to be different in the weight room. You got to do the things that a lot of cats can't do. You think they living off talent. I said, do this. A D2 kid is going to try to take your job that got an unshot too. And I'm like, you got to understand that. They don't give a fuck if you played Arkansas or wherever you played. So got to go be different, man. Everyone's average. It's easy to be average. That's how I kind of look at it. But Hey, when you say you're recruiting like NFL type talent, uh, like, how can you separate the difference between a D1 player and someone that has potential to actually play in the NFL? Man, you know how it is. Um, when you played, brother, you know how kind of, you, you know, when you see a guy, you're like, well, that motherfucker's different. You know what I mean? This, <laughs> this guy's in the, this guy's at Ohio State with me, but this guy's different. Like, he's going to do some, this guy's going to be an All-American here at Ohio State, may never play a snap on Sundays. It's fine line, and it's really a thin line and people don't really grasp that like man this dude's an all-american and never played in the nfl like dude there's a huge difference like just for instance last night you see this game two minute drill looks like they've been doing it week 15 weeks already in the nfl right these guys are professionals there's a huge difference you know how better than me and if you watch a college game watch some of these college games today and tomorrow watch kansas first coastal carolina tonight Watch their two-minute drill week two. Like, it's going to look like a clusterfuck, right? <laughs> You're always going to know what the fuck to do. Cats are going to run and stay in bounds and shit and run the clock. Like, these dudes are like professionals. Click, click, click. And it's like, it's different. Like, these guys are different. And I try to tell people all the time. But to answer your question, it's like, you know how it is. Long, rangy. Um, I have dudes. I do thing called hands down, hips down. So I want to see your heels on the ground with your palms on the ground. And... People think I'm just being an asshole doing it. And I'm like, no, that's actually evaluating talent. If you can't bend at six, eight and touch your heels and your palms at the same time, uh, you're probably not going to make it. And I'm like, <laughs> I got dudes that do that. I got six, eight dudes, 360 that can do that shit. I'm like, well, that motherfucker's a, you know, a knuckle dragger. He's a freak. So, <laughs> you know, those are kind of just evaluation of that. And I knew where he was going to, you know, people that were recruiting him, obviously. Okay, this guy's been recruited by Alabama, Georgia. I'm like, all right, well, he ain't going to make it. I'm going to get ahead of the game on that academically. I know he ain't making it. And then I say, fuck the kid. I don't even recruit the kid. I go straight to the fucking mama. 
Smart. I think that is the move by a lot of college coaches. And let's dive into the college football weekend. You just said a Kansas team. I don't know if it was Kansas State or Kansas. Play Kansas. And obviously, you had great success in Kansas. Oh, yeah. Hey, you became a superstar in Kansas. You won a championship in Kansas. But you have, you still have dreams, aspirations to be big-time coach, right? That is not a – by big-time, obviously – no shot, but I'm talking big time school, bigger place. You you still have dreams and aspirations for that, right? That's not something that you've given up on. Man, I haven't given up on it, but it's not a it's not a burning desire like it you know once was because of just how fucking soft and enabled we've become. But <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I just don't want to like you know. I don't want to recruit your kid, sign your kid, get your kid, and then you give me a fucking decommit letter on Twitter. Like I don't want to see that shit. That's what I'm gonna avoid. And I've never had that happen. The kids never left me after I've signed him, which is a little different, I think, than most. But this world's different, especially during COVID, man. I'm watching these guys coach yesterday, and I'm just like, how the fuck do you do it when you got every single swinging dick excuse out there? Every kid's coming late, fucking this, this, this. COVID, COVID, COVID's the excuse, and it's like, fuck, man. I don't know if I could do it, but I, I, you know, fuck. You know, I got I talked to a, a personnel guy at the CFL yesterday. So, like, professional football may be an avenue. Oh, there we go. Hey, let's go, JB. Maybe better. I don't know. So, we'll see what happens. I mean, people, this is what people don't get, man. Strong minds suffer without complaining, and fucking weak minds complain without suffering. That shit happens all the time. That's the world we're living in right now. Yeah. Hey, hey, that's deep. That was deep right there. uh Hey, let's go, coach. That is. Hey, hey, we had James Harrison on. Coach James Harrison was saying some of kind of similar things about that. Like, do you see that with whatever the mindset is and you're saying, guys, like, yeah, you, you got to make sure you're you're available, you're durable, you're there, and you're not complaining. Like, is it going to switch back or is there going to always be, like, is that going to grow in that movement of, hey, like, yeah, maybe a little softer than it was? Man, that's a good-ass question, man. That's a, like a, that's a debate that people are going to have. But it's like I, I see these people on, on social media saying, well, coach, you, I know you talk about everyone's soft all the time, but look who's raising us. And I'm like, well, let's look who's raising you, motherfucker. It ain't me. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and then I'm like, your dad, you're saying your daddy's my age? No, he's not. Your daddy ain't my fucking age. And if he's allowing that shit, he sure ain't coaching it. And, you know, that's the, that's the old adage. You coach it or you allow it. And I don't know, to be honest, AJ, shit, man, that's like a good question because, you know, when are we going to break the damn generational curse or whatever you may call it because i i don't know man that's the reason that probably not coaching right now either and like is there a ploy behind that shit like are we getting hard coaches out of the business like, look, 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 look at the business that's is starting to be so-called quote-unquote progressive like look at we're you know we're hiring different people that have never we've never hired before in in the, in the profession and so um you know people are like well shit we can have different debates about that too and it's just like well I don't know, man. Are we ever going to break the softness? But it's such a seven-on-seven personal trainer fucking soft uh, mentality nowadays that it's like AAU basketball, which is, you know, really not really a collision sport like football. It's a contact sport, even though it's not. It's big pussy sport. But, you know, the bottom line is you you, you got these seven-on-seven trainer cats that wear these soft helmets now, soft shoulder pads. Like, remember when we played seven on seven? Well, first of all, we played in the fucking street again with the street lights and the car. The headlights were the touchdown. And fuck, dude, I had dudes getting their temples hit on curbs and being fucking catatonic. They were out. And I'm like, 
and, and we're like, get the fuck up, let's go. You know, like nowadays you can't, you go to jail and fucking everybody like will be there like, oh fuck, you're a criminal. I'm like, holy fuck, man, we're just playing turkey ball on Thanksgiving. You know, I don't know, AJ, that's a good question, dude. I, I don't know. It's gonna take some older cats, I think, to break the mono- or break the the curse and and try to put it back down on people. But coach, coach, home, coach, coach, coach. Yep. Uh, when you were, we would go telephone pole to telephone pole, mm-hmm. obviously. And I was one of the, I was the only kid that could go telephone pole to telephone pole at the youngest age. So I was almost all time quarterback on offense, but defense was so reckless. It was mm-hmm. so fucking reckless what was going on out there. There, you would be the worst parent of the year. I, if I let, if I ever, and let him, like, no, you got to go play on the street yet. Yeah, you guys don't have the field. Who gives a fuck? Telephone pole to telephone pole. <laughs> How are we supposed to do this? Well, I mean, I guess you could do two hand tag, but it's going to get, you guys are going to hit each other. If I had a guess, it's going to get in there. Like you go to jail for that now. And I think that just Foxy has this take. And you're not going to love this because you're from sunny Compton, California or whatever. Foxy says that if you grow up in a state that has winter, like you naturally have some grit because you have to open the door in the middle of January and February and literally pneumonia is hitting you in the face. I mean, you're getting, you're getting frozen there. There's just some sort of buildup that happens, you know, like something that happens whenever you have to deal with that every single day. I think the same thing in sports and with what you have to go through, but now with science and knowledge of what that could potentially lead to and what's the worst case that has ever happened in this particular situation, it's just, I think it's going to be very difficult to change. I think everybody knows that they're just going to have to kind of, kind of ride the wave through it you know what i mean coach Nah, i hear you man you know i got a quick story man i, I had a go-kart my dad built me a go-kart man with like a briggs and stratton fucking motor a lawnmower motor on the back like eight horsepower whatever and i'm driving around our little con like our little apartment complex like them to the project right i'm the only white kid on it i'm driving around this thing and the brakes go out i literally see the brake spring come out float in the air and i'm like oh fuck i'm going like 60 miles an hour and there's a brick wall I know at the end of my block. And I'm like, there's nowhere out of this. So I can't get out of it. And fuck, dude, I try to turn it. I smack the wall fucking sides. I break like three ribs. I don't know what I, I didn't know I did. So I get up. My side's bleeding. I'm fucking like can't walk. I'm like literally I, I know I can't cry. Dude, I didn't give a fuck about any of that. I was so scared to tell my dad I wrecked that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. I took the go-kart in the garage, put a towel over it. The axle was bent. Everything was <laughs> fucked up. And, uh, you know, the, the the moral of the story is I, I told my mom like an hour later because she told me to go get drop these VHS fucking VHS videotapes off at the fucking video store. And I had to walk like a mile and I'm, fuck, I'm literally the most pain I've ever been in. I get back and I'm like, I'm like 11, dude. I'm like, fuck, I can't walk no more. She's like, what the fuck? So I tell her, right? She's a nurse, by the way. The mother, the nurturing mother tells, you know, don't tell dad. I won't tell your dad right now. And that's the world we're living in right now. Everybody's a nurturing mother. We have no dad that is willing to put the fear of God in you in a nurturing way, too, though. Not he, My dad wasn't going to beat me or kill me or fucking take me out back and fucking throw me into the fucking wolves den he was gonna but i had that respect fear that was like yeah all right i fucked you because you gave me this thing and now i feel i let you down hey but motherfuckers don't have that no more people are sitting there telling me yesterday at practice telling the head coach now coach i'm gonna do this i almost like i'm just out there helping and talking i was like motherfucker i'll choke the shit out of you (laughs) (laughs) you paid mortgage motherfucker you paid a a light a bill or anything and 
It's funny. It's crazy, man, how people are just allowing that shit, though. They don't nobody checked them. Nobody corrected them because he don't know what he don't know. And it's like it's like the mom at the, at the, at the grocery store with this kid and, and the kids telling her what the fuck to buy for dinner. Like, motherfucker, you're going to eat shit and liver. <laughs> not, that don't happen no more. They don't go down no more. It's like we're we've allowed all this shit and enabled it. And somebody's got to put their foot down. Hey, I, mean, I think I think the big thing here is there's no hate me now. Love me later. It's love me now. Love me forever. You know what I mean? Nah, you're right about that. That's true. Go ahead, AJ. I'm sorry, bud. Hey, Coach, what about – I think the NFL could be a great route for you. You could even break in maybe like with you. Like you said, you're a great talent evaluator, maybe like with the scouting department. Do you have any ins with any NFL teams? I do, man. I was actually a good friend of mine, the O-line coach for, for Sumlin. I mean, for Tomlin, sorry. Um, Whoa. And, uh, hey. Stillard, so Adrian Clem, good friend of mine. We grew up together. He was at UCLA forever. But, uh, you know, Mike made him the O-line coach, man, which was huge because he was an assistant last year. And – uh and not only that, hiring a black coach uh, on that staff where a lot of cats bash Mike Tomlin because of the lack of black coaches he has. People don't talk about people. People on the in the black community are, you know, call him a coon and call him this and Uncle Tom. And, and they're like, well, wait up. So when he hired Adrian, it was between the circles that I'm in, even at the D1 level of black coaches. Am I supposed to tell you you can't say that? Am I supposed to be the one? Because I feel like, honestly, you, you're the one who grew up as the only white person in your community. You have a, a much better. Am I supposed to say, like, hey, there's no way you're allowed to say what you just fucking said right there. Am I supposed to say that to you right there? Nah, nobody's ever going to say nothing to you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> they know I'll, I'll never say it. These motherfuckers know the deal. Uh, this is the bottom line. Adrian Clem's there now, was one of the highest paid online coaches in America. Good dude. Grew up together. He's now there. He's going to try to see if he can get me in with Mike as like on an interim level or like for OTAs next year or some COVID kind of fucked it up with the NFL not allowing a lot of visitors in and stuff. So not the minority, even though I should be a minority coach, I should get that shit because white privilege never fucking affected me. But <laughs> at the same time, maybe I can get into one of those type of internship deals. And, you know, like the minority uh, internships that the NFL does, the Bill Walsh yeah. stuff and all those things. Maybe that, that can ha happen. Um, or, you know, fuck, they got the Rooney rule, which really is a fucking slap in the face anyway. But nobody wants to talk about that shit. Right? <laughs> Um, Thank you, Coach. Go. Okay, we're, we're going to – hey, I, I have no, no idea what the fallout's going to be from this year, but I fucking – JB, you are one of one, pal. One of one forever. Go ahead, Ty. Coach JB, when you're looking around at some of these college teams, like I, I know on Twitter you were kind of, you were bashing Oklahoma because it's the same deal. They didn't look good against uh, Tulane, and but they're going to end up going to the playoff. Or you look at Kansas or Washington, who is supposed to be good and gets beat by Montana. Is there one place where you can like look at and point and be like, shit, if I went in there tomorrow, I would be able to turn this thing around that day? Yeah, fuck Akron, Toledo. It don't matter. To me, this is a, this is how I look at shit. Alabama is cream the la creme, right? I, like I say it all the time. They're the ones that get – he's deserving of the money, if you can argue that. And then I think Dabo's this next one, and now maybe Kirby can get up there if he wins one. But the thing about it is nobody's taking guys from going to those three places. So they're getting the same top echelon talent every year. Mm. Somebody needs to get one of those five stars at Tulane or at this other place because, you know, that's what's going to stop it and break it and start. And somebody's going to have to be different and get some. It's all about the blood. The blood life of your program is recruiting. It, it doesn't mean you control the talent level in your program, period. 
we control it as a coach. And I think coaches really think they're going to go out here and fucking out scheme Nick Saban. You're you Lane Kiffin out scheme Nick Saban last year and lost 50 to 48. <laughs> so like you got to understand it's Jimmy's and Joe's. It ain't X's and O's. The better players win the games at the end and you got to go get those dudes. And I, I just think it'll be a, you know, give me any polo, man. I don't care. Give me a fuck. If I get Pat McAfee polo, I'll, be, I'll have some fucking freaks walking around Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Coach, you just mentioned Saban. I'm not sure if you saw his press conference earlier in the week about trying to kind of keep his team motivated, especially while the media is yeah. telling them that, you know, they're going to win by 50 every game. As someone who did coach a team with studs everywhere, how hard is it to keep your team, you know, kind of humble and just keeping them locked in on a day-to-day basis? Man, you know, my next degree, I'm going to get into psychology. I truly believe I'm a psychologist. Fuck coaching, fuck kinesiology, fuck PE, health. It's psychology. You have to be a fucking psychology major to fuck with these shitbirds. Because I'm just telling you, your best players are going to be shitbirds. Just so we're clear. Like, the best motherfucker on your team is shitbird. And you got to get that dude to buy into your whole philosophy and get all these other fuck sticks to follow, right? And then you got some good slap dicks who are just going to be kind of, you know, the guys that are going to keep your fucking GPA high <laughs> and keep your fucking AP high scores right. So you, so Coach Saban gets another $100,000 fucking bonus because his APIs are fucking off the chain. And people don't look at all that shit. And, you know, I, I did see what he was saying, and, and, and that's great stuff for the bulletin board and all that. But at the end of the day, he's got to have to still do it hands-on because this is a hands-on experience based life we live man he's gonna have to get those kids to buy in fuck the press conference with the coca-cola and all that shit they don't care no more he's doing that aflac commercials with dion they don't they know it's all about money those kids ain't stupid you know what i mean people call them dumb and all this shit they're not stupid though so that's the difference in it and uh you know, I don't know. That's just kind of how I looked at it. But it, it's good stuff. But, you, you know, he's doing other things that you don't see on camera that is getting his team ready. And that's what he does better than anybody, in my opinion. My good friend Sark was his OC the last few years. Obviously, he's at Texas now. And, you know, he, he tell me he's similar to Pete Carroll in that regard as far as just being different, figuring out ways to get your guys to push the right buttons at the right time. 22 of them at that, at the same time, going the same direction is the hard part. They have like 70 guys to your point. And that was a great, what you said earlier is something that is not being talked about by anybody. Like everybody just assumes that there's gonna be five stars, five five depth on the depth chart, Mm -hmm. five deep, you know, at every position in Alabama. And you coming out and saying, well, until somebody fucking, can we not just automatically assume that every good player is going to go to Alabama? It feels like that's the case. Like, if you're a good player, you go to Alabama, you're going to win national championship. Your practices are going to make you so much better because the players that you're going to have in there, you're going to compete against the greats. You're going to have NFL practices for four or five years probably, and then that's ultimately the dream in the end. And it's almost like a foregone conclusion at this point. He just signed for another eight years or something like that. He just signed for another eight years, JB. Is that just what everybody's going to have to stare down if they don't inevitably try to change that? Yeah, man. It's like, what do you got to do? Turn over rocks. Think out the box. Be innovative. Like, you're going to have to do something. I mean, this is the thing that people don't understand. Who was Nick Saban in Alabama when Pete Carroll was at USC? Can anyone fucking answer that question to me? That's the thing about it. Nobody wants to talk about that shit. USC was going into the SEC and beating 
the best top two teams, Auburn, they beat them like 55 to 7. They beat Arkansas with a loaded McFadden and all of them 55 to fucking nothing or something. Pete Carroll, at his height, there was no talk of Alabama. LSU won one, right? I think uh, who? Oklahoma may have won one. That was right when Pete started getting it going. Um, but SC was the Alabama, obviously, and he did everything you need to do. He had Snoop Dogg at practice and, and fucking Debo and Ice Cube and you used Hollywood, right? I don't understand how SC and UCLA are this fucking average. Like, it doesn't make sense. The top four Heisman candidates are from LA. I'm like, dude, hold up. The best quarterbacks in the country are from LA Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama's. Like, they're all from right here in my fucking backyard. And we're shitty at SC and UCLA. Like, that's ignorance. Like, you're shitty. You're either lazy as shit. And that just tells you how shitty LSU is. Because you should have never fucking came in here and lost to UCLA. So, and it's like, how about this one? I got I to gotta spin for your crowd. Here you go. What if Ed Ogeron's son beats his daddy this, this week at McNeese State? Do you think that's going to happen? Fucking erupt the whole college football landscape wow. and get his daddy fired. Is it going to get his daddy fired so he don't get enough? So this kid has to look at it too. Like Cody, Cody Ogeron, who I'm good friends with Ed. I'm like, Cody, you understand if you beat your daddy, you ain't getting the big body fucking bins or the crib, the nice ass. <laughs> <laughs> you better be careful and shit if you go beat your daddy because LSU may have a letdown game, dog. And let's be real. And if McNeese hangs around, his daddy has a lot of fucking stress on him right now sleeping at night. I'll tell you that. I'm excited to see how that game plays out, by the way, for our next chat. Tone Diggs with the last question here. I can't thank you enough for your time, Coach JB. Go ahead. Coach, there was a lot of uh, upsets from smaller schools versus D1 schools the, in, the, in the first weekend. Do you think, is there a reason for that, that it happens in week one? Hell yeah, it's a reason. It's, it's college basketball. It's one and done now. College football has become college basketball and one and done. And I've been saying it for three years. Some LA Times beat writer said it and some guy retweeted it and said, Coach JB been saying that shit for years. And then the guy's like, well, I put it on LA Times. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about your LA Times. Go back and look at my tweet of my fucking podcast from three years ago. So what I'm saying is the transfer portal has created not only these soft asses, right, that create hard heads, but it has allowed the water. So you can look at it two ways. You got to view whatever your viewpoint may be. Is it a watered down system or is it allowing people like they say Jalen Hurts to leave in Alabama, go to Oklahoma, get drafted? I, I argue, just so everybody's clear, Jalen Hurts was getting fucking drafted regardless if he went to Oklahoma, dumb fucks. He played at Alabama. He, wasn't <laughs> he was getting drafted. So, yes, did it raise his stock? Possibly. Did he become a better passer maybe with with at Oklahoma uh, with Riley? Maybe. I, you know, who knows? But it wasn't going to affect his draft status. He was going to get picked up maybe a round later. I don't know. But it has watered it down in my estimation because I hate soft shit. It's watered it down. Just so we're clear, there's 3,000 kids in the portal. There's 127 Division One schools. Those kids ain't going all to those D1s. So now... What it's done, it's affected junior college recruiting. And if you're a legitimate D2 coach, like if you want to make a name for yourself, D2 coaches out there, you should get these kids to your place and rip it at a D2 because a lot of D2 kids are in the NFL too. Danny Woodheads of the world and a bunch of different dudes. You can get make a name for yourself by getting some of these D1 kids that are in this portal to your D2 
and tell, you know, sell them on a four-year school instead of the JUCO coach beating you out like I would have done, saying, come to my place and get re-recruited to go back to a four-year. But a lot of these cats are so soft now, they don't want to go through that struggle, so they'll just go four-year now. And it's kind of hurt JUCO recruiting um, the last few years. But it is it is leveled the playing field, in my opinion, more so than giving you an opportunity. It's now college basketball, Florida Gulf Coast, Gonzaga, they can win it any year now. Back in the day, it was UCLA, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, UConn. There wasn't nobody else getting in there. Gonzaga wasn't getting in there and winning that shit. You know what I mean? So, in my opinion, Montana, should they fucking ever beat Washington? No, not in this world. I, I don't give a fuck. That is a – my tight end is at Washington from Indy. It is a – that's catast- That's a pandemic to me. Like, that's a fucking epidemic. It's like, how the fuck is Washington lose to my – Montana, like I don't, I don't know. Northern Iowa almost beat fucking Iowa State. Like, I mean, it's that. That's what I'm trying to tell people. It's level now. Hey, so is is the transfer portal, in your opinion, good for college football? Because also now coaches, when it comes to recruiting, that's a whole nother avenue that they have to. I mean, look at Michigan State. I know Mel Tucker got some some transfer portal guys, and they win their first game. Everyone, hey, congrats! Hey, go green, go white. Yeah, that was the most racist thing said on this show today. He said, go white, JB. Did you hear that? Oh, yeah, I heard that shit. Uh, after what I said, you had to say that, so that's good to come back. Uh, <laughs> and AJ, I don't know. L- look at this, AJ. Look at it this way. And, you know, perception's reality. Terrible. Look at all the transfer portal kids that helped their teams win this week. A shitload. Notre Dame's yeah. quarterback. Uh, fucking Jermaine at Florida State, transfer from Georgia. Uh, the Georgia quarterback from SC. Look at all this, all these transfers that help their teams win, in my opinion. To me, I look at it as, see, I'm a different cat. Like, I, don't, I, wouldn't, want, I wouldn't take JT Daniels to Georgia. Like, that's just me. Like, I don't believe he's going to win a natty there. And you are, da- you are other per- people's trash. Oh, I don't geez. want other people's trash. Jeez. I want my own recruits from my own fucking blood, sweat, and tears. I want to go get my own dude and make him my own legacy. I don't want your fucking trash. Oh, and you, right. you can play at SC. How the fuck can you play here for me? Uh, That's how I look at it. And I got that different mentality. And I, I hate the transfer portal personally, but the soft generation loves it because now it's an out for me to go tweet a decommit letter and go to any other school. And now all these coaches are like, oh, fuck it. I won't have to go through recruiting the high school kid. I'll just go get a kid that's already been in a four-year program. And... It's hurting JUCO, I'm just telling you, and it's, uh, in my opinion, it's, it's made it worse. Now, people can argue and say, well, it's giving people opportunities and shit. Well, well, you shouldn't have chose that school then, is my argument, because if you couldn't play there, you're shitty or you're soft. You don't want to compete, and you just want it out now and go, go, go wherever. And in my opinion, it's hurting because if you would have, back in the day, let's take the portal out right now in 2021, you put a decommit letter out there. Guess where you have to go? Juco. Come over here and get your skin toughened, motherfucker. And now you might make it at Alabama the next time around. But now you're going where? Coastal Carolina. And now you're going to go there. And now you're just absorbed inside of another program. And you're not getting your skin toughened. You're not going through no hardships and fucking shitty dorms and shitty cafe and football jail. You're not going through football jail. So you're going to do the same shit over and over and expect a different result. And that's fucking insanity. 
Well, I'll tell you what. I'm excited for the insanity to continue every single Friday with you, Coach yeah. JB. I have no idea what the fallout's going to be for today, but I'm excited for it. Uh, thankful for you stopping by, okay? Thankful for you uh, stopping by in the conversation. Can't wait to get your reaction to this past we- or this upcoming weekend of college football next week. This was presented by Slapdick Whiskey. Hey, hell yeah. Hey, Slapdick yeah. Whiskey's good. So right. are the Stogies. I appreciate the hell out of you, Coach. I appreciate you guys, brother. Nice meeting you, AJ. Good looking. You too, JB. Thanks, man. Looking forward to Fridays with you. All right. No doubt, brother. Peace Appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Brown. Yeah! All right. That's the show. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening, watching, interacting with us, all that kind of stuff. There's so much shit out there that you guys can consume. And the fact that you want to spend your time with us, we are eternally grateful. Have an incredible weekend. Football's back. It's here. We got the full meal this weekend. Good college football on Saturday, and then the King has returned. Full slate of NFL games on Sunday. Overreaction Monday after that. Have a fantastic weekend. Cheers.